0: We're going to be doing the second part of the sicha of, of of the Chelet sicha shelet tazav, the third sicha. This is part two. So part two discusses the a lesson that even a young girl, from the age of three, unmarried, should begin to light candles, and we learn this from Rashi in our parsha, because as we discussed in part one, Rashi holds that. When Yitzchak, before Yitzchak, would marry Rifka, even after he heard all the amazing things from Eliezer, he would not marry Rifka until he, he knew that she was a tzudeikis like his mother Sarah. And one of the things that he observed by her and which convinced him to marry her was that when she lit candles, it would stay for the entire week. We know that Rifka, according to Rashi, is only three years old, because Rashi tells us that when, by Kedis Yitzchak, Yitzchak was 37. And it tells us that at that time, that's when Rivka was born. And we know Yitzchak got married at the age of 40. So Rivka must have been three years old when they got married. And clearly she was still single at that time. And so we see that even a young girl from the age of three, before the marriage, would begin to light Shabbos candles. And not only that, but this is actually, as we mentioned, this is something which is the lighting of the candles, which is something which was Mavar which clarified that she's a tzedekist like Tsar, And especially, if you think about it, Avram anyways was lighting the candles because we know Avram kept the entire term before it was given. And the halacha is that if you have a wife, then the wife lights the candles. But if you don't have a wife, meaning because passed away, then the husband's supposed to light. So that means Avram anyways would have been lighting the candles. But nonetheless, even though Avram was anyways lighting the candles for his own obligation, that wasn't enough, and Rivka had to light it herself. So the lesson is very clear, that even in a home where the mother is lighting and the Chiv the of Halakas nerus is being accomplished by the, by the mother, there's still an union for the young girl to light Shabbos candles. And one last point is that, L'Chaira, you can ask that Rivka was very, very intelligent. As we know, Rashi even tells us that from this that they have to ask Rivka if she wanted to get married to Yitzchak, we learned the Allah that you always need to ask the das of the girl. You can't just marry her without her knowledge. You know, let's say it's a minor, so you just ask the father. And you have there. There always needs to be some type of notification to the girl. So that means that she was a she was she was a, she was a But even if she was a bastas, she was three years old. That means halakhically, the obligation only begins by the age of 12, any chiv that you would have, a girl with any chiv that you would have would only have begun from the age of 12. So even if she was extremely intelligent, she wouldn't have had an obligation to light the candles at least till she's 12 years old, not when she's three. So if she's lighting it when she's three, clearly um, there's an union to light it for any, anybody that's three years old, even if they do not have that same level of intelligence as Rivka. So that's just the Sicha. What I would like to discuss is some of the Ha'aris uh, in the Sicha. A few very, very interesting points. One of the thing is we mentioned that, uh, that Rifka was single, right? We said that she was a single girl and she's lighting the candles. And that and according to Rashi, by her by him seeing her light the candles, that was one of the ways he knew he wanted to marry her. So the question is that's that's Rashi for sure, but there seems to be other opinions that hold that Rifka might have, have been an Arusa. Um, and the sources are like this. It tells us uh, in the Gemara Qasubis that the source that Birchas chasanim needs to be, Shavar Brachas, need to be with 10 people is from the Pasik by Rus and Boyas. It says, by Yika, Hasar, that Boyas took 10 people and he was and he married um, Rus. And we learn from there the obligation that Birchas chasanim need to be with 10 people. So Thaisas asks, what do you mean that the source is from Boyas? The source is actually from Rivka. As it tells us in Mesachas Kala that when it says in this week's parsha that Yubaruch said that before Rivka left, her brother and mother blessed her by Yubaruch So Mesachas Kala says, what do you mean he blessed her? It blessed her with Birchus Erison. So if they gave the Birchus Erison, then they, she clearly was married. So why do we need to learn it from Bayaz? We learn it from Rivka. So Taisus answer is, no, Birchus, Rivka was Birchas Erison. While when we're talking about Bayans, that was the brachas that you have by the Birchas Chasanin. The Birchas Erisin is the idea the, the bracha of Hibdilani Menahariyas, and the other ones are the Birchas Chasanin. So, so Oybezoi, it seems like, according to this, this Gemara and this Taifas, and especially according to the Mesachas the, the, Kala, the, now Rivka did have the gather of being someone who was an So she was, at least, having the first stage of marriage. Uh, but the truth is, if you continue reading Taisus, Taisis over there tells us that that is only an Esmachta, that the limud from Rifka is only a because that's P- Paschabshat of the Prosik has nothing to do with Birka Sarasin. Paschabshat of the, the Prosik was that Lavan and and her mother were giving her a blessing that you, you'll have tens of thousands of descendants and she'll be successful, etc., etc. So that's the Paschabshat, so it's just an Esmachta. So it, either way, even according to Taisis, he says it was just an Esmachta. And the truth is, if you look at Kalaribasi, Kalaribasi, it says clearly that she was in, a, that that's just an Esmachta. So clearly according to, it according to the Masachas and it says clearly also Masachas Khan that the whole idea is just a, uh, an Esmachta, but she was not in Rusa. According to this, we have a, another source that tells us that she was an Arussa. This is the Pirkei de Beliez we mentioned in part one. So it says that uh, Pirkei de Beliez, on this idea that she would be a blessing, he tells us that it was like a chazin at the time of a chuppah that stands up and gives a bracha to the Kala, that was the same idea of, uh, of what, what, what they were doing before she left. It says like this. It was shu'aymin the Kala Kach amdu es So basically, it was just like a cousin that stands up and blesses the Kala at the Chopa. So the question is, again, here's another mashmois that she was in rusa, but we have a Kalal, that we never want to be uh, we don't try to make more so, so there's no reason to assume that Pirke de is saying this as this is the source, this is a Dinda Aisa or this is the story what happened by Rivka rather this story itself this idea that it was a Pirke de that itself is also an Ismaq that even um, even uh, even my call so when it says the Chaz in from there we learn out that that's how you supposed to bless the by, by the marriage that itself is only a, a smachta. It doesn't say clearly over there, but based on that rule of Layla Pushe Machlekes, it seems like over there would also just be a, a smachta. Uh, and then the Rebbe continues that the he gives a, a ksas raya that according to the Pirkei de Bel-Yazir, she was not an Ursa and a concept is an smachta. And this is based on what said in part one that Rabbi Shmuel says later on that when Rivka eventually came back. Came back with came with Eliezer to Yitzchak. It says that she, he brought her into the tent, and according to the Pirk of Eliezer, that means is Yitzchak checked to make sure that she was still that she was a psula, and only once he saw that she was a psula, then he married her. So he says clearly from the Pirk of later on that Yitzchak wouldn't marry her unless he knew that she was a psula. So clear. So then it couldn't have been Berchus Erison earlier because at this point he only he only took her she she only got married at a much later point once Yitzchak knew that she was a psula. And it's very hard to say that Rabbi Shmuel is uh, arguing what it says earlier in 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 because it's not mentioned even next to each other. If they're arguing if, if she was an Arusa or not, meaning it's if they're arguing about the first opinion holds that there, she was an Arusa earlier, and that, that means that she was already married to Yitzchak and that whole story of Rabbi Shmuel didn't happen, then it should have been put together that there's an argument. So, so it doesn't seem like there's an argument. It's rather two separate stories. And therefore the Pashtas, there's no reason to add machoikasin, according to the whole idea would also just be nasmachta. An and to continue, he says, even according to the opinions that she was, there are, as most Midrashim and before holds that she was not an Arusa. And even those few that say that she was an Arusa, but there's no chiv on an Arusa to light more than a single girl. Right, so, so some want to say, you know, there's only a chiyah for a married woman to light the candles. But no one, and not and on a single girl. But nobody says that there's an obligation on a rusa. And a russa would be this, if you chive as a pnuya, then you hive also as an rusa But if your potter is a, from a, there's no minag even, to do it as a pnuya, there's no reason to do it, uh, to light the candles as an arusa. Because the Shulchan Aruch brings two reasons why a Nasur writes. The first reason is because she's, mitz, mitzv, uh, because they're found in their home and they're dealing with the tzarkhi habayis. So therefore, the obligation was put upon that. So that doesn't apply to the penuhiyah and also would not apply to the arusa that's not running the household because she's just engaged. She's not married. Only once you become a nesuit, that's when you become in charge of the house. And the second reason the aruch gives is from a famous medrash that tells us why women have three mitzvahs of adkhala, uh, nida, and lighting candles. And the, the, the so the, the, the medrash over there tells us that the reason why they have the mitzvah of Nida is because she caused death to the world. She caused her husband, Dan, herself and her husband, to die. Because since because of the hate of itzadas, therefore that brought death into the world. The reason why we do challah, why Isha does challah, is because she ruined the challah of Shem. Meaning, which says that Hashem created the, uh, created man. He, the eight yalem and arts that this mist came from the earth and he mixed it with the earth. So he kind of needed a, a, a clay and made man, man out of it. And since she uh, ruined that by causing the hate of Eitzadash, therefore she does chala. And the third thing is she lights candle because she caused the Ner havai neshmos adam, the, the neshama of adam, to be distinguished because of the ver that they did. So that would only apply to the husband that you're responsible for. Meaning, just like Chava and Adam have a response, were, we're one. There was responsibility with each other, and therefore to protect. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I guess, paraphrase a bit. That, in a sense, to misakin what what happened in the past, and also to protect for the future, there are certain mitzvahs that a woman is given, which just fixes up the original relationship between Chav and Adam, and of course will also protect us and their relationship in the future. But that doesn't apply by P'nuya and that wouldn't apply by rusa because they don't ha- they're not married yet. So therefore, even according to the opinion that Rivka wasn't a rusa, um, that that wouldn't that wouldn't there is no logic to say that Rivka lit the candles because she was an Arusa, but a regular Pnuya, a regular single girl should not. Rather, either it's a Nesua, or it's an Arusa and a Pnuya. So therefore, since Rivka was Papashtis, as we said, according to most madrashim she was a single girl. And even according to those opinions that holds a Arusa, but again, there's no reason to distinguish between an Arusa and a Pnuya. So if Rivka lit as a, Pnu- a Arusa, then Papashtis, she would have also lit as a single girl. So that's the first point that the Rebbe brings, that even if you're uh, single, you should be lighting candles. The second point is that the Rebbe said was that from three, the age of three years old, because just like Rivka started, we know that Rivka lit the candles at three. So also girls in the future should light from the age of three. But of course, was Rivka actually three years old? So he brought Rashi that says clearly that she was three years old, but there's actually two different opinions. One opinion says that she was 12 and another is 14. In the Gemara, uh, it tells us that by, by King gadol, we know that there's an obligation of a King gadol. There's a mitzvah for King gadol to marry a psula. Um, so the Gemara tries to figure out, besides who, what age does this psula need to be? And the Gemara and the Gemara says the psula needs to be the same age as a naira, which is a 12 year old to about 12 and a half. And what's the source? They bring the source about Rifka. It says, Anayra taivas mara ma'ay basula. That this young girl, she was very beautiful. She was a basula. So the Gemara understands that a, that a basula is the same age as, as a naira, right? So when the, when the Kain has to marry a basula, what is a basula? A basula needs to be the age of a naira, which a naira is from 12 years old to 12 and a half. So clearly the Gemara is understanding this pasuk about Rifka, about a Naira, naira basula, that since it calls her anira, that she was 12. Okay, and, and Taisus over there brings, uh, brings another opinion that says she was actually 14 years old. Where did we get 14 from? Uh, because there's a medrash that says that there was four um, pairs, not, not couples, but pairs that, had, that lived the same amount of time. So one of those pairs was Kahas and Rivka. Kahas and Rivka both lived to the age of 133. Um, and so Rivka passed away when she was 133 years old. So so if you calculate from the age of 133, you will see that she was 14 years old. And it's very partial because we know that Rivka passed away when Yaakov was 99. Give you the quick khashbin. Yaakov left. He ran away from Esav when he was 63. He was in, uh, he stayed by the yeshiva of Aver for 14 years. And then he was at Levin for 22 years. So that would equal 36. 36 plus 63 would be 99. So Yaakov was 99. It says when he was returning, that's when Rivka passed away. So we know that um, the Rivka uh, that she passed away when he was 99 years old, uh, when Yaakov was 99 years old. So if you take away that years, that means she gave birth to Yaakov when she was 34, right? One th- she died when she was 133, Yaakov was 99, so clearly she gave birth to him when she was 34 years old. We know that Rivka was a, a Kara for the first 20 years of her life, so 34 minus 20 would equal 14. So according to this opinion, she was 14 years old when he got married to Yitzchak. So, of course, according to these midrashim, it seems like, um, you know, she was, she was either 12 or 14. She wasn't a three-year-old girl. And thesis of their tarots all, it says they're just midrash chalukim. They're midrashim chalukim. In Achinami, there's one midrash, just three, 12, 14. They don't stim with each other. And and uh, they are, actually are uh, different opinions of what her age was. And and the Rebbe doesn't go into it, but the point is that our Sika is basing itself on Rashi, which is the more accepted uh, age of uh, of Rivka, of course, is three years old. So we see, according to Rashi, for sure, that already from the age of three years old, you should start lighting. That is the most uh, widely accepted opinion that she was three. Uh, but either way, uh, we see uh, that, that, that there are different opinions of what her age was. But again, even to, to remind you, even if she was 12 or 14, she was still single, so she definitely we still know that you, even according to these opinions, you're supposed to light when you're single, but it, you could come up with, oh, you only should start at 12 or 14. So therefore we have Rashi, which says that she started at three because we know that she was three years old. Okay. Right, there, there, just to give one more proof that she was a child from a British, the, the British, the British rabbi tells us that there's a rule. Aimasiin a katana that You're not supposed to marry a minor uh, without without her knowledge, without her consent. And we learned this out from Rifka that she was a minor and she had consent. So clearly, she was a minor. She was under the age of twelve. I believe that halakha is actually only when the father passes away. Uh, I believe that with the fa- I believe if I could be wrong, but I believe the father is allowed to marry her off even without her knowledge. But if it's the brother or the mother that wants to marry off the girl, then then they need to, She needs to agree to that uh, marriage. Okay, but the point is that it says, we learned from Rivka that you only must see Nasirfana when, uh, with her, with her, uh, with her, uh, agreement, so she must have been under the age of 12. Okay, so another point that we brought in the Pnim, that we said, that Avraham, that even though Avraham was, even though Avram was lighting the candles, nonetheless, even in that situation, that Avraham took care of the obligation for the home to light candles, Rivka still lit. Well, you can ask, maybe they were in different homes like maybe maybe they weren't in the same home maybe she lived in her lived. Avram and abram lived in, abram Yusuf lived in their, whatever oil, uh, oil they were in and the redact tells us that we that that the custom in those that period of time was that the husband and the wife would actually live in different tents you know certain nights they got together but generally on a regular night, they actually slept in, in different tents. And we learned that he wants to say from uh, from Yaakov Leah and Rachel um, that when Leah gave the to do him uh, to Rachel, so the agreement was that Yaakov would come to her tent. So um, so we see that they were in different there's a tent of Leah, there was a tent of Rachel, and he would sleep in different tents, but uh, not necessarily were were all the wives sleeping with her husband. So there was paschas in different tents. So Yaakov had his tent; they had their tents in different nights. He might go to different different wives. So Eibazeli the maybe the reason why Rivka lit was because she wasn't living in Avram's tent. So the befrat it wasn't even it wasn't the main point either way. The point was was that even in a situation when there's no obligation to light, even then a three year old child lit. But still, maybe it's not a pefrat. The Rebbe's trying to tell us that she wouldn't have been an obligation. There might have been some type of obligation for the home. Even though she's three years old, so the obligation wouldn't be on here. Either way, but it's trying to show that even in a situation where we have no obligation at all, still she would lie. Okay, so he gave two answers. First of all, from the Lashon of the Meadrish, it tells us that when Sarah died, the miracle stopped. Meaning is that the candle's being lit for a seven-day period, that miracle stopped. You'd only know that it stopped, if someone was lighting after her, because if you know the they, 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 if no one lit in her tent because she passed away, and Yaakov's living in his tent, Yitzchak's living in his tent, then how would you know that the miracle of the lighting of the candle stopped? Even if let's say she passed away on a Tuesday, and let's assume for that first Tuesday uh, that, the, that, that 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 as soon as she passed away, also her candles were extinguished. That's because she passed away; she's gone. So therefore, the miracle wouldn't have been there anymore. So there wouldn't be a mitzvah. But on Friday, when they would light again, that's when you would find out is the miracle still there or not. But if they never relit in her tent, then there's no proof that, that what would have happened if they actually would have would have lit. Would have lit. So it says, Peska must have meant that the people were continuing to light in her tent. And nonetheless, it didn't have that same uh, miracle. That's one point. Now, the second point is, he says, according to Rashi, it's clear he doesn't hold like the redact that the husband had a different tent than the wives because it talks about when Rachel was alive, Rachel tells us he lived in Rachel's tent. And when she passed away, it went to her maidservant Zilpah. And we you know Reuben was upset about that, so he moved ya- Yaakov's bed into the tent of uh, his mother. So clearly Yaakov was living in one of the wives' tents and not in his own. So therefore, Avraman probably was living in Sarah's tent, and therefore he would have had to lit in that tent. So therefore, that would not be a question. So the they they did light in the same... Uh, Avram was lighting in Sarah's tent. Uh, another point is... is that once Rivka got married to Yitzchak, and she became the Balabusta, and she started lighting... Well, even before she got married, I should say, she started lighting in the tent of Sarah. So as soon as she started lighting in the tent of Sarah, did Avram still need to continue? Because technically Rivka was only three years old. So the Pashtun, we know... She was a child, so of course she doesn't have that obligation. Um, and even though halakas Neris is only a mitzvah derabanan, but according to I think most opinions, it would be trade derabanan, right? She, she's only mechuyev to like because she's a child, so tchinoch, and Halal, mitzvah halakas Neris is only a derabanan, so it's trade derabanan. While by 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 other only would have one derabanan. He was an adult, so he was chayv in that mitzvah Durbanam, which is to like animals. So usually if if a child cannot be mitzvah in an adult, when uh, even for a mitzvah duraban. But the Rebbe says, Ulai, since it was before matan it's possible that she could have been mitzvah because before, and the Rebbe just says, doesn't really explain, but I think the Rebbe, the Rebbe means is, it's because before matan there's no obligation anyway. It was just, they did it on their own. They did it on their own to be able to fulfill that mitzvah of lighting the candles. So if the whole thing was doing it on their own, so, neither of them really had any obligation. So, it's a self obligation that they put upon themselves. So, Eibuzai, Rifka could have done it for Avram. And the last point we mentioned was we said that even though Rifka was a bassechel, nonetheless, uh, that doesn't mean just Rifka lights the candles if she were really intelligent. But any girl three years old, because even if she was very intelligent, she was three years old, and there's no obligation uh, for a three year old to do mitzvahs. Uh, because that only would begin for a girl at age twelve and for a boy at age thirteen, uh, so the Rebbe points out that that before matan Torah, there actually the, 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 the din of twelve, twelve or thirteen years old is only by Dine Yisra. A Yid has this rule that when he comes twelve or thirteen, that's when he becomes an adult. So it's. It, the Rebbe discusses this on other sikhas, but over here, it seems like it's a gzer Let's say it's a gzer and you turn 12, you turn 13, that's when you become an adult, regardless of the level of seichal. Masha'in came by uh, a, a, a benayach. It doesn't go by age, it rather goes by intellect, how intelligent they are. So therefore, Rivka would have had the age, would have had the halacha, uh, since she was very intelligent. So maybe you can in that she actually had the, knowledge and the intellect of an adult, so she was three, but technically she was not Jewish, so three years old would have, she would be b'chaiv in all the mitzvahs of b'nei noyach, and any mitzvah that she would have taken upon herself, she would be, uh, she would be able to fulfill. So therefore, the whole tzichot, the whole part of the tzichot falls off, because if she was a bar da, Bas das, and ben noyach, when you're a bar das, you're considered to be an adult, uh, so that would only prove that an adult has to light the candles so before mathintyra we weren't hidden yet so therefore uh, even a child who is very intelligent like, but after Matantara, only once you're twelve years old would you uh, be uh, uh, would you would there be an Indian to light so the rabbi explains that that wouldn't that wouldn't make sense that would be a part to disaster contradicting in terms he says rather even before mathintyra Almikra they, they the 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 and the Yimais would have had two didn they would have had for certain things they would have the din of a benah and for other things they would have the din of uh, of a banra and the idea is things which were based on a logic based on natural type of uh uh realities for example the idea of Mary, that a girl has to be asked before they get married so as soon as she has dust. Be able to make that subjective decision, then you have to ask her. You can't you can't do it without her knowledge once she has that das. And for anything which is based on something which a ben noyach is obligated in, then it would go after the laws of a Ben noyach which is dependent on intellect, not dependent on the age of twelve or thirteen. He says, But when we're talking about dinay Yisrael, even if it's they're not obligated with dinay Yisrael because it's before Matan Torah, like for example, the is Neris. But that has nothing to do with a ben Noyach. So it would be a, it wouldn't make any, any it wouldn't make any sense to say that since as a ben she she's considered intelligent, therefore regarding the Dine yisrael, she would be obligated. Yis- if, 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 you're not you're not at all because before So you're taking on the obligations that we're going to follow the halachas as they will be after matan So halachas that will be after matan states that only when you reach the age of twelve or thirteen do you become obligated in mitzvahs. So therefore, you have to be machalic between the two types of dinin that they would have had. For certain dinin, they would have to follow the obligation of the ben because that's an actual chiv which is on them. And when they took upon themselves to also follow Dinah Yisrael, they took it upon themselves to follow the Dini Yisrael according to the Dinah Yisrael. A ben doesn't need a light Shabbos candle. So it doesn't make sense that So you go after the rules of the Ben-Nayach. Al-Mai, you go after the Din of Yisrael and that means she would have had to be 12 years old or 13 years old to be high. So therefore, from this that we see that Rivka lit when she was three years old, which she would not be considered a Israel. that teaches us a high run, a powerful lesson that also in the future, we uh, should also have our daughter's light from the age of three years old.